Alexis was so excited. She just went on a soliloquy. <laughs> she it's was like, it's a good one. I've never been asked, so let me answer it. I'm Maxie McCoy, and this has never been asked, where I invite my guests to break out of whatever box they have been put into. My next guests will help you rethink everything you've ever known about beauty, one of those boxes that we've all been put in since what feels like the beginning of time. And that's right, today I have two guests with me. They are partners in business, they are partners in life, and they are putting a whole new meaning to the word power couple. Please join me in welcoming the founders of Femme Power Beauty, Alexis Andrulakis and Christina. Yeah. <laughs> Please join me in welcoming the founders of Femme Power Beauty, Alexis Andrulakis and Christina Bazias. Oh, I'm just, I'm like, okay. Do you want the name? I'm like, cause your name sounded a little off, but I'm, I'm sorry. That's okay. Fine. We'll do Basias. Basias. Yes. yes. Last Basias. One. I'm sorry. Please join me in welcoming the founders of Fun Power Beauty, Alexis Andrulakis and Christina Basias. Hi. Hey. Hi. Here, Maxie. It's so uh, happy. So yeah. happy y'all are here. Okay. You know this cause I've had the chance to tell you, but I'll tell you again. Your work in rethinking our makeup routine as a place to fully tap into our power rather than it being a time where, and I know a lot of us do this, where we're really hard on ourselves. It's blown my mind wide open because I was raised in the South. My mother was a Mary Kay consultant. And this relationship to makeup and beauty norms for me really runs deep. Like I know we all know it does for many women, but you two, your your partners, your partners in business, you're also engaged. Yes. And yes. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I still do that and I get giddy. <laughs> As you should. I'm giddy for you. Please don't ever stop being giddy. Um, <laughs> but you're you're changing the beauty industry from a place where we fix ourselves to a place where we affirm ourselves. But I want to know what you've never been asked. No one has actually really asked us that, which is so refreshing and exciting to think about because as far as like the boxes, as you were describing that we all get put in these beauty boxes. So I've been makeup artist, Alexis. And, you know, when you're in the makeup artist, Alexis box, it's really hard to be seen as a business executive in the beauty industry because a makeup artist is creative, artistic. They don't do numbers. They don't strategize. But what would happen to me on the sales floor was that I met humans and Really, what was has never been asked of me is what my relationship was beauty with beauty was like before it was my work in the context and the way it is today as a business. Yeah. So I'm going to approach this from the artistry angle. Talk a little bit about like the romance that would happen and the intimacy that would take place on that sales floor. And the funny part is, while I was working on said sales floor 19, I had no idea I was a lesbian, and I had no idea that I was attracted to women, but I was you know, enchanted by their vulnerability. And I was enchanted by the way that they could show up at that counter and within 30 seconds, trust me to touch their face. Mm -hmm. The most personal like thing that you could essentially do and not just touch their face, but apply product to it and really guide them through whatever problem it was that they were navigating. Yeah. So 
what became fascinating is when I became the subject in the context of sitting in front of my own mirror, and I call this my beauty renaissance, because the questions that I had been asking my clients for years, I had to ask myself when I looked in the mirror in that moment. And those questions were when I was getting ready to go on my very first date with a woman ever who's now standing beside, sitting beside me. So, you know, how do, how do you show up as a lesbian woman in 2014 when you grew up in suburbia in a Greek bubble that was marry a nice Greek boy, make Greek babies, you know, extend the Greek race. (laughs) And, um, you know, I, I didn't put lipstick on that day. It was the hardest day I've ever had in terms of getting ready. Mm. So my relationship with beauty was that I think I was so invested in others' beauty mm. and I was so invested in their discovery that I forgot how to discover myself. Alexis was so excited. She just went on a soliloquy. <laughs> she was like, it's a good one. <laughs> I've never been asked and so let me answer it. <laughs> oh That's, it's beautiful, right? You're so um, invested in helping someone else see their beauty, what it, what it takes in the same way that we're turning the question on you, you know, you had to turn the mirror on you. Christina, what was your relationship to beauty before that? My, I mean, when I met Alexis, I was a high school English teacher and just to demystify being in a startup and being completely bootstrapped, I still do work full time because that's what we have to do. You know, when you're bootstrapped and you're trying to hustle. So when we met, when I met Alexis seven years ago, being a high school English teacher, the role models that I had in my life were all academics and they were older academics that really weren't interested in beauty at all. In fact, before I met Alexis, I never really wore lipstick. Actually, I really only wore sometimes eyeliner, like on the inner lids of my eye and mascara. And that was my go-to. And then a little cover up here and there because, you know, dark circles. (laughs) So uh, when I met Alexis and she told me she's a makeup artist, I was like, Ooh, that's sexy. That's cool. That's interesting. (laughs) You know? But when she didn't wear lipstick either, we both, it's so interesting because we both didn't wear lipstick on our first date. Um, and then as I got to know her, I know, look at us now, literally lipstick lesbians. Literally. It's so crazy <laughs> to me. Um, so when she, she, one time she sent me this selfie with lipstick on, I was like, oh my God, what is that? And that's when I started to really think about, you know, where have I seen lipstick in my life? I did like a lipstick audit of my life. And I I went back into all the memory banks. I was like, where have I seen lipstick? When have my friends used it? Where should should I have been using it? Oh my God, lip gloss, throw that out. (laughs) Like, you know, onboard the lipstick. And it was like, I think for me, it was a, it was a two-part thing. It was me meeting Alexis and coming into my own identity as a woman meeting Alexis and this like grown up relationship. Cause I was in a relationship before for seven years with a man. Ironically, I don't look at these like sevens. Yeah. I'm just realizing, wow. I was like, we're coming up on the lucky number so here. We better, we better make it through. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so it was that being in this adult relationship. And then I think coming into my womanhood also, you know, and that's what beauty really symbolized. And I think the opportunity to do that in a form of a beauty brand where we now get to teach women about how to use these products in a very specific and particular way that empowers them is just so fulfilling. And yeah. I think is, is totally the future and no one's doing it and it's needed, you know? Yeah. And if I had that when I was a young woman, I think I would have been intrigued and interested in beauty more because it's those boxes that Alexis was talking about before that we go into the academic box was like, if you're smart, you don't really wear makeup. It's not important, right? Same as fashion, right? Totally, totally. You just, we have 
taken a, a beautiful face of makeup and put it on a certain type of person, a certain type of woman. You've talked about these molds that you were fitting in growing up, right? And Alexis, you talk about your first lesbian date. What yeah. was the experience and like, how did beauty play into evolving past those norms that yeah. your parents and your families were putting on you? Well, you do a lot of things in a Greek household to, to kind of garner some attention in the context of like, I'm going through a massive transition. So I'm going to chop my hair off. That was phase one. That's when I met Alexis. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right? So <stereotype laughs> but you had short hair and no lipstick. I was like, right. Because I had no behavior in the Greek culture to model. Like there was not a single Greek lesbian that I had ever met mm -hmm. that I could model, but like there was rebellion. There was chasing my identity, running away from having to get, my mom got married when she was 18. I love her to pieces, but she was a child. She was barely graduated from high school. She got married. My father is the single experience of really her entire life. She's 64, you know, and that's okay because her experiences with beauty, I adopted in the context of, I watched her do her makeup all the time, but I was a giant tomboy. It's as if for me, the masculinity and the duality of masculine and feminine have always lived inside me. But on the exterior, it was like a fantasy to play with color and art on my face consistently. And that was from my mother. And that came from her. It came from Greek culture. It came from just, you go to church, a different church, not the South, but a Greek church, right? And, you know, to go back to the lesbian piece, cutting the hair and axing the lipstick were giant exclamation marks in my life to say, hey, like, pay attention, I'm going through something. I can't really verbalize it yet, but you're going to see it written all over my face. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. Well, obviously the Greek household is very conservative and very, uh, very um, heteronormative. So yeah. <laughs> the expectations that, that are put upon Greek women are very much that, you know, it's the patriarchy. It's right. The man is the head of the household. The woman's supposed to be the Cook, one that stays clean. home and cooks and cleans, um, you know, and so. I think um, what was really interesting for both Alexis and I is that when we did meet, <laughs> we were both each other's first um, Greek queer experience. Actually, our first Tinder conversation, because we met on Tinder. Yeah. I don't know if we got there yet, but we did meet on Tinder. Literally, the first line was, are you really a Greek person that's on Tinder and queer? Like, what? <laughs> and we have that screenshot as well <laughs> still, yeah. because it's just so true and so priceless. And and anyway, long story short, I think just, you know, having us both be in like this same bucket of like our Greek identities, but also identifying as queer woman who ended up falling in love was just like this amazing, yeah. crazy juxtaposition <laughs> that I can't even begin to express, you know, and from yeah. the same island in Greece as well. So we're both from Crete, which makes it even crazier, yeah. right? But that was the only mutual interest we had on Tinder, the island of Crete. And, you know... <laughs> We, we fell in love with each other. We fell in love with the idea that we can reclaim the Greek narrative. Yeah. And in a very weird way, I say this to Christina all the time, like, and we fell in love with beauty and beauty is going to be the mode through which we express that because both of us are what you would consider lipstick lesbians, right? High femme. Femme lesbians. Femme, yeah. Right. And, and that's an archetype that neither one of us has really met to be perfectly honest. And that's okay. And that they're out there. I'm sure. And please, if you're out there and you're seeing this, DM us, reach out. Meet the femme lesbians. Femme lesbians, not Greek. Oh, Cretan <laughs> lesbians. Like, have you met them? No. <laughs> <laughs> 
right? Who like love the feminine expression. Give me the jewelry, give me the clothes. Give me. So obviously my hair is long again, you know, and I've, I've come back into this new identity. Right. Well, I think of Alexis, what messes, what messes with people too, I think is that, you know, talk about being put into boxes, you know, the, the lesbian stereotype is very much that you fit a certain aesthetic and it's not that you're into beauty. It's something else completely. So when people meet us, they say we're sisters usually, or they assume that, right. Or constantly constantly it happens. I mean, we're always coming out daily, you know, well, it was more pre COVID when we were out, (laughs) you know, literally and metaphorically. Everything's beautiful about what, what both of you are sharing. And, you know, Alexis, even just you sharing that, you know, you were a tomboy growing up is how, how that duality that you mentioned that exists with us. And obviously we are talking about sexuality in this conversation. We're talking about beauty. We're talking about how we show up, but for people listening to this, it can be where they live, their interests, the things that they never thought were a part of their identity that can become part of it if we choose to evolve. And I think that there's just so much learning in that, that like, we are not static humans. We've never, never been static humans. And what I, you know, what I think is interesting too, about what you're sharing of like, you know, the, um, the Greek lipstick lesbian potentially not existing, you know, in, in your description of it. Um, and they're going to, we're finding you. Um, but what I also, you know, when we talk about the beauty industry and how much has been done to embed more inclusivity and representation into these brands. How have you thought about it, not only from the way that the two of you identify, but potentially making the work that you're doing open to any gender, non-gender conforming? How have you thought about makeup in that way? Oh my God, this is our, this is the favorite, this is the favorite thing for me to think about because when you talk about identity, and you talk about the ability to manipulate color, shading, et cetera, expression. This is it. Set the stage for your self-expression. That's what we say at Power. That's what kicks off every affirmation application. The reason we say that is if we give you these tools, these tools to understand how to use them from a technique perspective, but also in a way that affirms you, it's going to invite you to discover yourself at Power. Not, okay, X Kardashian, insert name here, or Jenner, or whichever Instagram phenomenon. And let me take nothing away from them and their beauty, because they are all incredible forces of really trend-dominating kind of human beings. But what it does when such so, so much space is taken up by such a, a linear or narrow window of beautiful, it really kind of disenchants the opportunity for anyone else's expression of beautiful to come in. Yeah. So at Power. Think of us as the conversions of those romantic, intimate moments on the sales floor coming to you through the lens of two women who have experienced it live together, but also empowering you to figure out your identity and your expression in a way that's outside of any box that has existed. Gender binary, sexuality. Any of it. And which I love. Can you tell me about... so? you know, you've mentioned the affirmations, right? That there is a place in time where you noticed as a makeup artist that women were really hard on themselves. The language that was coming up as you're putting makeup on their face, as you, you know, are taking them from a, from a natural face to a makeup face. When did you realize that that related for you when you were putting on makeup for yourself, both of you, that 
not only what you were seeing in those women, you were seeing in the narrative and the language and the voice in your own head. Because I remember when I look back at, you know, the first time you heard the kind of like the self-critic in your head, the voices in your head, as I like to call them. And it was when I was in middle school learning to do my hair. My hair is very curly. It's not right now because I have a slick back. Um, (laughs) But, you know, doing my hair and doing my like facial powder, whatever I was allowed to wear in middle school was the first time I noticed that inner critic and that voice like being really loud and telling me all kinds of crazy shit. Um, And so I really relate to those quiet moments in the mirror also being some hard times to, to a degree. When did you realize that the same was true for you? You obviously had the experience on the makeup floor and, and Christine, I don't know what it was like for you, but when did you know, like, also this is true for myself too? Yeah. I mean, Alexis's experience are all about that. I mean, she yeah. spoke about this on the first date with the mayor situation. For me, it was very much the classroom, you know, I think, um, becoming, getting into my own as a teacher, right. And discovering my own and my own identity as an English teacher. But then I think furthermore, acknowledging that it's not just me that has these issues of like imposter syndrome. It was my students too. And then realizing that it was a collective human experience and it didn't matter what age you were, right. You could be this 13 year old kid who's in front of me or 34 kids who are in front of me many times. Right. Or it could be these intimate conversations that we started to have with women and realize that, you know, self-doubt creeps in. And then if you even dig further into the psychology of it all, when we're alone, 80% of our thoughts are negative. And then 95% of the thoughts that we have are recurring thoughts, which means that most likely the thoughts that we're having are negative, right? Can we just stop? 80% of our thoughts are negative. 90% of them are recurring. And I'm like, it makes sense why my brain literally thinks the same Three ridiculous things all day. Yeah, yeah, seriously. And then when COVID happened and we had to be home all the time, I mean, oh my gosh, the mental health crisis that happened and, you know, the collective trauma we're all still going through. I mean, I I have said, and I've said to this community too, you know, as someone who considers my mental health pretty above the line and it's naturally stable and, you know, just what taking all of your human connection, being in rooms full of women, getting to do these things that you're trained to be best at. And the way that you kind of wake up and are like, oh my God, like self-care, my brain, all of these things require a different, yeah, a different level, a different level of attention. For me, COVID reminded me how important it was to slow down. And although I was practicing the affirmation application pre-COVID, COVID really forced me to really do it, you know, and to need it and mindfully slow down. And I noticed that because I was purposefully pausing and not thinking about all the things, because, you know, as New Yorkers, we're also like, like going 24 seven, you know, thinking about like 10 things at the same time, Um, just focusing on one thing and using makeup, specifically lipstick for us as the tool of that kind of like mindful practice and empowering myself and saying something positive to myself, literally in the mirror was such a game changer and doing that consistently actually noticed a difference. And that's when we were both like, okay, there's definitely something something here. There's something here. Alexis, when did you notice that the like voice was like, she wasn't as peppy as she needed to be in the mirror. (laughs) So I, I think because I've been the makeup artist who for whatever reason 
And what, what's fascinating, it goes back to the sales floor, right? Mm. I didn't have those thoughts at 19 because I, I never looked at my features and analyzed them. And like, you know, I remember being in middle school and like going around the circle of your besties and, oh my God, I hate my hips. Oh my God, my boobs. I want them to grow. And excuse my like, you know, middle school, Alexis, typical story. It's like, you know, and literally it gets to me and like, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I've been overweight, like my whole life, like get like thick, you know, full figured, voluptuous, curvy, whatever words we want to use, you know, you know, luscious, lusciously. You were like, I don't hate myself. I literally said to all them, you know, and even back then, like truth be told a lot of my, my, you know, one of my best friends I grew up with since kindergarten, she's my sister-in-law and she's still a stick figure. She was a stick figure in high school. She popped out two kids and she looks incredible. And it's like, that's your body type. That's incredible. While I never loved myself, because this is the reality, I never hated the feature by feature play playbook because I felt like I had a superpower and my superpower was my aggressive collection of Mac eyeshadows and the, all the gadgets, tools I had in my arsenal and, and really in, in the ability to change the look every day, if I wanted to, I had developed gray hair really young. So I would dye my hair all the time. So you're talking about someone who explored identity, the irony though. And when the self-doubt was magnified is when, you know, at 24 years old, I walked into my internship at a fragrance house and this incredibly like sensual Parisian woman who was developing fragrances at the time she knocked me for a loop. I, I was instantly like an electricity, a pulse, a vibration. You know, I was instantly attracted to her. And that, that is when shit got real. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm knocked into another evolution of my life. <laughs> and that, that was, you know, three solid years before I was able to have the courage and the self awareness mm-hmm. to move the nodule on Tinder to swipe, to, to swipe right to women. Mm-hmm. Right. It's and it was a little toggle. Yeah. And it really does make it so much easier now. (laughs) It expanded the, it really did. Um, so it was in those moments and the redefining of the identity as a lesbian, which ultimately I took a I made a giant loop, a circle, same person, same hair, same spirit, but bisexual. And, and that is the gift of the makeup and the tools and the, the expression is to be the same person that I was, but to take it up a notch in the sense of like owning it versus questioning or wondering. So it's uh, in such a beautiful and major way. Our guests aren't the only ones who get to answer questions that they've never been asked. You can join in on all the fun. Go to womanoncollective.com backslash worksheet for questions you've never been asked. Because hey, newsflash, you don't need all the right answers. You need all the right questions. That's how you can take the inspiration from this episode and actualize it in your own life. So go on now. Questions for this episode that you've never been asked are waiting for you for free at womanoncollective.com backslash worksheet. You've mentioned these affirmations, but I want us to get like really tactical if you don't mind with me for anyone listening who is like, yeah, that time in the mirror when I really listen and when I really pay attention to it is way more critical than I would like. It's way more critical than it would need to. Not that it's our fault. We have a million messages that make us think the things that we think, but how what is, you mentioned, Christina, the, the um, lipstick mantra. 
what is one or two really easy things that I can do in the mirror to take my beauty routine and turn it into something affirming? Oh my God. It's just, it sounds so simple and so easy that it's going to sound ridiculous, but it I'm makes such it. a difference. Right. And I even do talk right to myself in the mirror a lot. I'm like, girl, you're good. You're good. Right. Exactly. It's something like that. Only you're doing it and you're being mindful doing the application with the product and saying the thing to yourself, whether you're saying it out loud or you're saying it silently and you're not focusing on anything else. But the only thing that you're focusing on is just you saying those words and saying it to yourself at least three times. And why three times is because our brains are also more likely to remember something when we say them at least three times. So putting on your lipstick, right? Not speaking it because that could be challenging, but saying to yourself, I am powerful. I am strong. I I am am confident. I am worthy. I'm going to crush this interview or whatever you're going through. You could speak that context into the affirmation, right? So before today, before this call, I said, I'm going to crush this call. And I took a recording. I'll send it to you. I want to add to that. There is science behind this, right? So like what happened to us was an organic progression where we started, you know, I started to talk about the story of the sales floor, the flaw focus, you know, eight years, not one woman in eight years ever walked up to the counter and said anything positive, crushing, you know, and this story evolved and Christina and I started to dig deeper, but it wasn't really until like around the time of COVID where Christina being my, my fabulous former English teacher was like, babe, words matter. Mm-hmm. So recently, the writer in me has a <laughs> words yes. matter. matter. The words we use to say to ourselves, mm-hmm. the words we choose to, to, to have around us. So like three things I want to say. One, the science behind the affirmation application has been validated because we're going around and we're talking to all kinds of mental health experts. Mm-hmm. Self-compassion and the foundation of self-compassion involves like three really critical things. One, looking at yourself in the mirror. Yeah. Two, touch. We're already doing those things instantly with the makeup application. The only thing that's missing is the the affirming message. So the touch signals to your brain, it signals self-compassion. It opens the neural pathway of, I love you, not, I hate you, not, you know, of positivity. And then once you start, that's why the cumulative repetitive nature of the practice. So if you wake up tomorrow and you do this once, are you going to notice a difference? Sure. A mood alter. A mindset shift, three weeks. Yeah. Ten okay, days so to knock out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three weeks. Yep. Mantras like, I love myself. I am worthy. I am yeah. beautiful. I am successful. I'm powerful. I am abundant. I attract wealth. Abundant. I am powerful. I love myself. Mm-hmm. And stick to it. I mean, it's gonna. you're going to feel like, oh, I don't have to do this, right? But if you stick to it, you will actually see the difference. It's fascinating. Yeah. Anxiety goes down. Mm-hmm. I've never done it as a part of my beauty routine, which I'm going to do, and then I'll send you the recording. Yeah. Uh, but I actually, when I spent, I lived for about a year in Bali, and I met this metaphysical healer, and it was all about touch and language that you said out loud. And it was these affirmations. And he was like, look, like you're going to feel like this is a little bit silly, but I want you to go toot around on your scooter and say like, I love and approve myself. I love and approve myself. And like the first minute you're like, this is absurd. Like I'm a grown ass, independent, powerful woman on a scooter saying, I love and approve of myself. Um, and then you're like, wait, no, I thought the ride of your life. Prove myself. Yes. Hell yeah. Yeah. The ride of your life. It is. It is the ride of your life. And that um, I'm with you. And then someone on words matter. And so I actually want to ask you about those words as someone 
who might be listening and not even realize the words that we are saying that are actually detracting from our power. What are the words that we need to pay attention to in our beauty routine? And what should we be swapping them with, if you can indulge me? I just want to give one context of an example, and then I'll throw it to Alexis. But I was in utter shock. But actually, it wasn't that shock, but I was like, wow, that's a really powerful word that she used. But Alexis did an affirmation application, which Alexis will talk more about, um, showing somebody how to put on their makeup and to use and associate these empowering words with their makeup application. And this person who was using skincare said, well, I use this product to combat my skin. And then Alexis told me about this. And then she was like, combat. And Alexis like broke it down. Like, why the word combat? Why are you waging a war on your face? War. War. Which is like that, like talk about the psychology behind that. <laughs> that's what totally. the esthetician taught her to use. The esthetician was yeah. to sell products as prescriptions for problems. For problems. Okay. So what are more of those words, Alexis? Oh my God. Literally yeah. everywhere. We're not paying attention. So I want to invite everyone to channel their inner Marie Kondo for a moment, but you want to Marie Kondo the products with tape. Anti-aging is a word. Anti-wrinkle is a word. Anti-cellulite is a word. Take tape, hide the words, because you're not even realizing all these things, plumping, smoothing, although you've been marketed and manipulated into thinking this is what you want, aka need, because you have a problem. The reality is you don't. It's It's defeating the entire purpose of you building your identity. So you don't need those words. They're not serving you. Concealer, why do you have to hide? You want to neutralize the dark circles. You don't want to hide them. They're part of you and they're beautiful. And it's your body talking to you. It says sleep. It says hydrate me. It says throw an an ice roller on there, baby, and roll it out. Touch me. Right. Like be gentle and and. When we get into this, like philosophically, mm-hmm. it's beautiful and it sounds great. But when you do this and you start the Marie Kondoing, I did this recently. So I have a vanity now that I have literally, I wish I had my products, some of them here. I've stickered everything. Um, yeah. Can you just, can you go get one? Yes. <laughs> I'll get the most appropriate one. You're going to appreciate it. <laughs> She literally took all the fem power stickers we have. She's like, I'm putting it on this and this and this. (laughs) Well, I have my makeup bag over here and I'm like, God, like what? I'm sure there's. No, it's, well, you know, if you think about the history. coverage, you know. It's crazy. If you think about the history of advertising in the beauty industry, the only reason we have blur. Like, this is a lipstick lesbian sticker. Oh my God, so good. We're bringing it full circle, Maxie. So you just, yeah, right. You took <laughs> stickers and you put it over all of the disempowering language. Yeah, that was and really, the- even not to like, even the disempowering brands. Yeah. Because, yeah. and that's what we're building. We're building a new assortment that people don't have to put stickers on. And there are some brands out there doing the work, but it's bigger than the words. It's everything you stand for. And it's everything you want a woman to discover about themselves. Right. That the boxes aren't allowing them to. Well, if we were to step back for a moment, the reason that these words are there are only because they're the results of 
years, years of the beauty industry manipulating us into believing we need those things, yep. making us feel bad about ourselves, selling it to us. I mean, it's more profitable for them if they make you feel bad about yourself, right. to be honest, because it's right. like, oh, let's buy this product to make us feel better, right? And now it's even more, it's worse than it's ever been before. I was going to say, more fucked up. From from people who are experts sitting in that world, why? Why is it worse? I, I, I would have said, oh, I think it it has to be getting better. Like even just in the ways that I identify, like being super, like seeing curly hair everywhere, seeing hips and curves everywhere, all of these things that I have. Right. I feel like I see some of these things that were really hard for me in terms of beauty in more places. So I would have thought the same is true for it getting better within the makeup aspect of the beauty industry. So why, why are you saying I'll tell you one fantastical thing, the tech piece that you invented. Well, yeah, it's because of technology. If you look at face filters and, you know, this is also me as a former teacher, right? (laughs) You know, looking at my students and seeing the pressures that they were under, they were under, right? Having to perform on social media, having to use filters in order to be cool or having to look a certain way. I mean, that pressure has always been there for younger people, I feel like, you know, and as you get older, you grow out of it. But with the the additives of social media, specifically those augmented reality filters, changing the way that you look, what's happened is now there are the new advertisement. It's no it longer so overt. So much, so much sense. That makes so much sense. Right. And I mean, if you yeah. look at the social dilemma, they they do a beautiful job of weaving together that narrative of showing how people can easily feel bad about themselves. There's yeah. this one clip of this little girl who's talking to her friends on social media and she puts this face filter and she looks so different. And then one person comments on her ears that are sticking out. And then all of a sudden she's taking her hair and she's covering her ears. Like, oh my God, now I need to feel bad about my ears. So social media makes us more self-conscious self because we're comparing ourselves to other people and these unrealistic expectations of beauty. They're right. Just and so much of it is like, you're getting the double taps of followers with your face everywhere, which I know right. most people listening to this, like it's not just people with a following, it's people with... 500 of their best friends following them. Like everyone's dealing with the same experience. And I remember the first time I used one of those filters and I was like, oh my God, like literally like just made my eyes big. That doesn't even look like me. I'm never using that again. And then I used it, let's call it two years later. And I was like, oh, holy shit. This filter is so good. It basically just looks like Photoshop, but I'm like, but I don't, look like that. Like I'm 33 now. I have wrinkles. I have sunspots. I have, you know, whatever. And I'm not going to go through the same pain I went through in learning to love the size of my body as learning to love my wrinkles and learning to love aging. Like I don't want to look 25 for fucking ever. And you don't have do. That's exactly. the best fucking part. Well, why right. is there such shame in aging? You know, that's again, that's because of the beauty industry. It's just like, yeah. oh, well, you need to hide those wrinkles. <laughs> but like, why? You know, right. why? Why? And, it, and we say wrinkle chaser because the wrinkles tell the story. I laugh all the time. I have the furrow. I have the lines. I love them because yeah. I've lived my life like I've lived my ass off. I've traveled. I've done the wild nights. I've done the crazy things with my partner, without my partner. Like I work like an animal and I don't sleep enough sometimes. And it's like, I am Christina's like, 
<laughs> well, no, I'm thinking because, you know, augmented reality aside, the other part of this is that these advertisements are still happening. We're yes. just not noticing them because we're so used to them. You know, as an example, there was a brand the other day. I'm not going to name the brand because I don't want to shame brands on this. <laughs> but it, it was an advertisement that was targeted towards young people, towards Gen Z. And it said, spending too much time on TikTok, buy X product and, you know, avoid Stop getting fine lines. lines. Soften your laugh lines if you're laughing too hard on TikTok. And I was like, are you kidding me? You know, and then I looked at the comments to see if anyone would bash them because you would think that they're, you know, a population would be woke enough to shame them for putting that out there. But not one person had anything bad to say. They were more interested in buying the product that was shaming them. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's one of those things too, like like we talk about in in. Feminist issues often, right. especially intersectional feminism. Like, if you want to blur the fuck out of your face and use the filters and do all of the things, do it. Yes. If you don't want a single wrinkle on your face, like via yes. any injections and yep. whatever, literally do it. The problem is like when we don't know, to your point, that Alexis, exactly what you said to me, like you have a choice, you get to choose what you want to do. And we have a choice which way we want to go if we know that there's different boxes that we're allowed to live in. Absolutely. The the key behind our affirmation application process is teaching people to be intentional behind why they're putting on their, how they're putting their makeup product on, right? So if they're putting on their lipstick, what are you saying to yourself? But it's the same thing when you're doing the AR filter. So if you want to use the filter, fine, but why are you doing it? Right. Are you doing it because you want to fit into some type of box? Are you doing it because you feel shame? Are you doing it just because, you know, you feel like doing it and you want to look a certain way because you don't have makeup on and you've been lounging for the past five? That's cool. Right. But why? You know, if, if the reason you're doing it is negative and it's affecting you and your mental health in a negative way, that's when we need to confront that. Right. You know, and that's when there is an issue. And And asking, yeah, asking Uh yourself, asking yourself why I think is, yeah. And talking to yourself, talking to yourself and getting to know you and servicing your needs, which is when you put that filter on and you, you act in a way that is just conditioning reflected without intentionality. Mm -hmm. That's when the danger sets in because that's when you're doing things in a performative way. Mm -hmm. And that's when you're not happy. This goes back to a question that you asked earlier about, you know, the diversity in the beauty community and, you know, building this brand from the ground up, especially with their backgrounds, both being queer, Greek, women, all of it. Um, You know, I think brands in general could look very performative, right? And one of the most frustrating things for us, I think as a beauty brand also, are brands who just out of nowhere decide that they're going to launch pride collections, right? Or, you know, Black Lives Matter, we're going to do this now, but we haven't prioritized this. We're going to extend our shade range by 17 shades. But you haven't been prioritizing this and you said racist things in the past or, you know, so it's, it is very performative, and so I, I don't see any big brand taking on the beauty industry in the way that we're thinking about it, because I don't think they can. No, you know, they're in too deep. They're they in way this. too deep. They make their money making people feel bad about themselves. And it's going to take an underdog to break these stereotypes. Mm-hmm. And frankly, this historical trauma yes. that we're all going through yeah. still with the beauty industry. Yeah. And a shit ton of women and intersectional feminists and non-binary folks and yep. identifying humans. 
Yeah. To break this down together and inviting men to be a part of this too, because you can be a man who is feminine and that needs to be destigmatized as well. And so, you know, from day one, we built FemPower as this very mindful and intentional brand behind everything that we do down to the marketing story that we have down to making sure that our products are for every single human down to making sure that in our photo shoots, people are represented. And now it's making sure that you feel good about yourself when you wear these products which holds power to our name. Cause I don't think we could have a, a more perfect name than Fed power. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's so true. And I think feeling to your point, like it taking an underdog, it taking all of us sort of to do Christina, what you mentioned earlier, which is to question anytime we see the messaging or the sales point or the whatever, that's not making me feel empowered. It's making me feel disempowered and choosing to to look for other alternatives and people and brands that use their voice. Now, my question to you is to right, like you guys have, you guys see, I'm doing it again. You that's because I'm we're right. right. I say guys all the time yeah. too. I know, it's I know. But, but both of you have, uh, not only have you used your voice in all of this, you are asking all of us to be more mindful at a time where we're spending a lot of time online. We're spending a lot of time on social media. You've also built your business during this time together, living in the same place, like all on all the time. Why actually do you think that this is a really great moment in time for us to make the shift into more mindful practices, more affirmative practices based on, you know, I mean, I don't do my makeup nearly as much as I used to, but I also am more attached to it almost now because like I need it to feel good in this basket case of a world. And in this box, yeah, right. That we're always associating with people, right. That this is the new way that we you socialize. Which is crazy. Right, yeah. right. I think it's the perfect time because we're always on our devices. And I think we're all collectively realizing how much we need to disconnect and reconnect with ourselves. What do you and think? for me, it's one word in the household I grew up in, and the word that was like such a pivotal part of my upbringing anxiety, therapy, meditation, mental health, you know, all of these, these really industries, wellness, it, yoga, breath work. I mean, you name it, it's on the rise. It's not a coincidence. It's a human fundamental need. And at that core, you know, we know the human fundamental needs being love connection. We've had one massive, like fundamental core human need ripped away from us. So we better dive deep into that love and we better find the self-love in there because. Okay. I have like a woman to that. And I also want to know how the two of you have done that at moment in time when the world has just been tilted on its side. Not only are you building a business together, you're building a life together. What has it looked like to dive back into that self-love for yourself without it, you know, affecting negatively impacting the other person that you've built so much with? sanctuary <laughs> sanctuary no. well I take daily baths and that's my sanctuary um well I think like? the reason why I said disconnecting from technology is because that's the narrative that I have right it says I am always on my device and I definitely feel like in this COVID time 
I've become more ADD because there's all these devices going off at multiple times and there's multiple devices, right? And I mean, we even are attached on our wrists these days, which is just crazy. Um, so needing to disconnect, I think is just so important. Um, and the way that Alexis and I do that is we have our places in the house that we just have as like, okay, even we need to acknowledge that even though we're both there, just because we're there doesn't mean we're available, right? And we're that available was, to each other. That was a big adjustment when COVID happened. Um, and when COVID happened in March, my, my world very much exploded. My full-time job world exploded because I work in ed tech now, still in the DOE, you know, with schools. But all of a sudden, this industry that was previously not looked at now was on the forefront of everything that had to deal with education because the whole world was going online. And all of a sudden, I was mission critical. And all of March, it was just nonstop work. And I think that was so frustrating for Alexis. But thank yeah. God we got through that hump. Did. That, was, that was tough. And that reminded me of, okay, no, like my mental health is important too. I'm mission critical. People need me. But I need to step back in order to help people step forward. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and I'm obsessed with what you just said, because I think it, it relates to anyone working with other people in the room, whether it's a partner that they also work with, or just like a friend that's nearby, like just because I'm there doesn't mean I'm available. What did that look like in practice in terms of safeguarding that? A safe word, banana. I know. I don't know why <laughs> banana. But that's like our safe word it's for everything. Word. <laughs> Before things escalate, it just like makes us chuckle and then it just, yeah. you know, de-escalates. Communication, <laughs> right? You, you you build communication as partners in life. Then you decide like crazy lunatics to pool your savings and, and start a business. And then you say, okay, well, we've spent, you know, a solid amount of money and we're going to make this business work. So what do we need to learn how to do, right? Like we need to learn how to communicate on every level better than we ever even thought was possible. Mm -hmm. Now that lives and breathes in so many contexts for us as life partners. We're best friends too, in case you guys hadn't noticed. We have the the friendship component. We have the sexual component. We have the, you know, we want to get married, right? We we've been trying to plan a wedding and we threw that out the door. But, but the, (laughs) right. Like TBD, right. The the rings are heat on. We're not going anywhere. I mean, who knows? We might get crazy. How do you move from those identities within the relationship, right? Like moving from the identity as romantic partner into I'm your business partner. Like I know my family, multiple members of my family all work together. And sometimes I'll show up and we'll be playing a game night and they're in a full work conversation. I'm like, y'all, I'm so thrilled that I got invited to this business meeting without me knowing. (laughs) I, I say that joke to get them to like, it's not that I don't appreciate the work, obviously, right? I I admire all of the hard work. I admire what they have built for their lives and their families in the same way that I have. Um, But it's like you, I give that example because it's like we all can so easily move into the different identities within that relationship. So how do you guard it? Is it also banana? Sometimes. Uh, sometimes it's banana, <laughs> but I think a lot of times it's just drawing boundaries, boundaries around certain days or times and sticking to that and holding each other accountable for those things. So, I mean, there's times where Alexis would literally take my phone and be like, okay, no more. It's Friday night. And I'm like, you're right. Device is down. Device is down. Let's watch a movie and cuddle and like, you know, be intimate. Yeah. Um, so there's that, which is, it has to happen. And then there's also setting the boundaries on the technological side too, because 
it could be very easy for us to flood each other's messages, even though we're in the same space. Right. Yes. When I'm not available physically, I maybe I'm on a work call and like something comes up, like, oh, well, let me just text you real quick this idea that just popped inside. You, you know what I mean? So setting those boundaries digitally is also really important. So anything empower related, how to go on Slack, anything that was personal related, like did you get groceries today, goes on iMessage. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a mental health boundary too. You know, it's it's such a a brilliant point that you're making because Lisa, my business partner and dear friend and the executive producer of the show, she and I did that naturally. And I only realized it recently, but personal stuff we text each other about all things woman on, we slack each other about. And then it allows you to both be business partners and dear friends and care about each other in one way and then deal with the crap in another way. Um, We never were explicit about it probably until this very second, but I think it's really powerful to match the communication with the medium or the type of relationship with the medium in a way that I don't know we intentionally do. It's really. And the last like key, key, key piece of that is we make meetings. Literally, we have meetings for pedicures and we go get pedicures together because we want to spend time together. That's not work. Yeah. 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 And we make meetings for financials right. and for and all work. the and work. <laughs> yeah. And so there's for, meetings for fun and there's right. meetings for work. Every yeah. great relationship is the uh, building blocks of many good meetings. <laughs> yep. That is true. It's so true. true. Yeah. Well, what you guys are building, you guys, oh my gosh, I don't know if these are going to be bloopers or not, are building is beautiful, it is important, it is already impacting uh, just how I feel about my relationship to my makeup bag, um, my face, my love, and so I really, I really appreciate it. And before I let you go, I do need to know what both of you are batshit grateful for. Ooh, this is a Maxine McCoy classic. <laughs> this is a throwback to, to San Francisco and that little church. It is. I love it. I mean, it's full circle to almost two years ago when we were That's testing all of this out. We were bringing small groups of women together. Never thought we were going to be back together digitally with an episode of the show, but y'all have, you've seen it all the way around. Yeah. And we're, we're really, really happy to be here. Um, no, do you want to go first? This is pressure. I think that's it grateful for my education that I've received, you know, and continuing on that journey of the education currently in a PhD program in my final semester, going to crush it. A big deal, bitch. I know. This is what I affirm in the morning too. It's just like, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. (laughs) I'm going to get through this. I just have letters. I can (laughs) letters. Exactly. Um, So I'm super grateful for that because I didn't know um, that I would be on this journey when I started the PhD program. And I think I'm, I'm happy that it's going to open doors for me and has also opened the ways that I um, associate myself with this business and the business itself, you know, our brand from Power Beauty to help people. So I'm really grateful for that because I think that it's just the beginning of what the potential of that PhD could become for what it means to build this brand and to build it in a really meaningful way. And of course, Alexis, right. True education. And of course I'm grateful for Alexis, but I feel like that would have been like a cliche. cliche. (laughs) We are both really, I say I'm grateful for her all the time because Christina has been my, my like informal educator, 
you know, and my biggest cheerleader. And with that, I, I'm honestly grateful for, like, I think about this often, actually. I'm grateful for coming out in the sense that I'm grateful that it taught me how beautiful it is to do the thing that scares the shit out of you more than anything in the world. Fuck you. Because <laughs> let me tell you, that conversation with my mother, it was January 4th, 2014. Not a fun day. Not a fun day. And my mission and what I vowed that day was that it should never have to be as hard for anybody Mm -hmm. to do that. And the only way that I know how to express that is the only way that I've known how to communicate my whole like adult life, which is beauty. So it's a full circle for me in that that shit grateful to have done the messy, ugly, dark coming out because it built a unrelenting kind of fearlessness in me that has allowed me to, to blindly quit my corporate job, pool savings together. Well, it wasn't blindly. It was a very, <laughs> it's very calculated, <laughs> but blind in the sense of you don't know what's on the other door. You don't yeah. know if success awaits for you. And like the blind kind of pursuit of whatever this will be, but ultimately the faith to chase it. The faith that you, yes. And the change that we want to build for all these women and all these non-binary folks and them identifying masculine men and everything, you know, you want to, why can't a, a, a gorgeous, you know, man wear a little bit of lip color, break down the stereotypes, all of them, along with the stigmas around sexuality and everything else that we've gone through. And this is the time to do it. I mean, yes, it's at the worst that it's ever been, but I also think, you know, the beauty industry and what we're seeing, it's, it's at the the pinnacle. I mean, so ripe. I mean, you see Harry Styles wearing a dress, you know, we see people getting upset that they're always on their devices. We see more mindfulness happening. We see upticks in mental health. I mean, this, this is the time to really make a difference and to reset our lives and the way that we look at things, you know, and, Although this pandemic had a, a lot of horrible p- parts to it, I think there's there's going to be a lot more pros in the long run, you know, yeah, as in terms I, of mental health and the way that we look at things. I totally agree. Well, I couldn't thank you both enough. I'm batshit grateful for the courage that you both show to live beyond every box that anyone has tried to put you in. It takes, um, it just, it, it, I'm grateful for it because there's so much to learn here and and there's a lot that you're changing, so... Femme power all the way. Woman on. We adore you. Woman on. <laughs> Hell yeah. No. Thanks, and Maxie. we're so grateful that you reached out and yeah. we connected. And this is the beauty of all of it, too. Never Been Asked is a Woman On production. Maxie McCoy is your host. Our executive producers and creators are Maxie McCoy and Lisa Raphael. Sharissa Wright is our producer and editor for both audio and video. Yep, that's right. Watch Never Been Asked and Everything Woman On on our YouTube channel and visit womanoncollective.com to join our digital collective. 